This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Boobies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host, Avi. Wait, did you say do we like movies or do we like boobies? I said do we like movies. It would be so embarrassing if 200 episodes in you... (laughs) (laughs) That's when you call us do we like boobies. No. Alright. Did I ruin your call? (laughs) Yes, you did. You basically ruined my concentration. Good. Normally, I'd want to just start over again, but I think I'm going to go with it. Thank you, I appreciate you. (laughs) Welcome, Um, everyone, to another episode. So... What we're doing this week, initially we wanted to start doing a review of the 2008, uh, I think it's Swedish? Vampire it's Swedish. Film? Yeah. I promised that I would do a bad Swedish accent. No, Morgan, Morgan, no, 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 let's not do this. Nope, too late, I'm committed. <laughs> I said it, it has to be done. Swedish chef up in this piece. So, we... we Originally, we are just going to do an episode on Let the Right One In. And during the kind of days leading up to our recording session, I think I had mentioned a couple times that I had never actually seen this movie before. And the version of this movie that I had, that I own, and that I've actually seen, is the 2010 Matt Reeves American remake of it. And uh, Let Me In. So we basically ended up switching from doing an episode just on let the right one in to doing let me in and let the right one in it's such a lost opportunity that we didn't use the eric andre meme when we were talking about let me in (laughs) and now i really regret it so it it literally just dawned on me that how many times we say let me in (laughs) even when we're doing the the the, when we're doing the podcast calls on skype well and so, a couple things about this episode. Another one is that uh, this is one of the few episodes that you and I are, like, actually in person together recording. That's right. And <laughs> these are few and far between. So, eat it up, y'all. The, you can tell our, our natural charisma is seeking in, seeping in. It's pretty wild because all but, I think, less than five episodes of year one were all episodes that we recorded in person yeah and then like ever since the pandemic it's been us like doing these episodes like the way that we've been doing them now which i mean is kind of the norm right there's a lot of podcasts where the i mean we're lucky in the sense that you and i live relatively close to each other and that we can like actually see each other for sure in person like but you know obviously there's other podcasts where people are states away or like so it's cool, that, and I mean, yeah, of course, all those people are friends and whatnot. But it's like, yeah, it's different when you actually get to sit in the room with your co-host. Like, it's a completely different dynamic. Yeah. All right. So, let the right one in. Uh, what is your experience with this movie, and when is the first time that you've actually seen this? So, first time I actually seen it was this week for this episode. No, no kidding. No lie. Oh shit! I've always wanted to see it, and I remember like. 
I forgot what... Uh, okay. Like, it's always hard whenever I start a sentence with, I remember, and then go immediately, I forget. But, <laughs> I, I, like, I forgot what channel was on YouTube. It must have been What Culture. But, like, you know, this is a movie that comes up on a lot of people's, like, you know, top 50, like, horror movies, right? Like, it's one of those that's, like, it's terrifying, yes, and it has its parts where it makes people feel uncomfortable. But it was just one of those movies that I never... Like, I, it was on my list, and I never could get down and, and, and actually watch it. I think a big part of it was the fact that it was a foreign movie, and I was do, like, dismissive jerk-off motions to foreign films. Like, I have, <laughs> for the longest time, I had such a, like, ambivalent response to art house movies. Sure. And it's, like, thanks to now watching A24... And, like, actually becoming a lot more <laughs> a part of, like, the horror community where I'm like, oh, no, like, art house is a really interesting style and it's a different, like, this avant-garde style <laughs> that some directors have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was actually, so this is a movie that I've been, that's been on my periphery. Um, I heard about it. I knew the story. I, or, like, this movie's been spoiled for to death for me. So it's like I knew the big twist uh, already going into the movie, but that didn't change really my my thoughts or my experience with the movie. All right. So this is my first time watching Let the Right One In, but it's a movie that I've known about like since I've started listening to podcasts. And I'll bring you back to kind of when I really did start uh, doing that. I started listening to podcasts when I worked, you know, my first retail job. I worked in the warehouse and uh, in the area that I worked in, nobody else was really in there. And I there was like a boombox that I could plug my iPod. <laughs> you know how long ago this was? I could plug my iPod Touch into the boombox that was back there. Hello, fellow kids. I had an iPod. <laughs> And to kind of, you know, make the time pass, since I was the only one back there, that's really when I started listening to horror movie podcasts. And let's say this is 09, 2010. So this was when the movie had just come out and, and it was starting to get out there and people were starting to, like, learn about it. Mm -hmm. And right before the American remake came out. And you know what's crazy is that was, like, there was this whole movement of, like, Swedish movies that came over sees and then got the americanized treatment and essentially became shot for shot remakes of what the original swedish film was because i know brothers was the exact same brothers was kind of one of those things where with jake Gyllenhaal and toby mcguire where that one got the literally the swedish like late aughts release and then two years later that's when the american version um came out too so it's like it was a weird phenomenon the late aughts well, not even just that, but it was also just around the time that stuff like, you know, I was starting to watch Ty West horror movies, and and it just felt like... Mumblecore! For some reason, it always feels like horror is one of those genres that, like, I don't mind watching movies and reading subtitles in. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, subtitles for American audiences is probably one of the reasons why this movie did get an American remake, but uh, the reason why I ended up seeing the remake first was because the guy who had directed it was the guy who had done Cloverfield. Some and, asshole named Matt Reeves. Yeah, no idea director, who he is. a director by the name of Matt Reeves, who, you know, at that time was only known for Cloverfield. It was pre-any any of the Apes movies that he did. 
And uh, now, you know, we just talked about the Batman a few weeks ago, and or like a month ago, but that movie and the cinematography and that was so spectacular that I do remember knowing that the cinematographer from the Batman worked with Matt Reeves on this movie. And I think, you know, it, one of the things that I liked about it was not only the visual style, and I felt like it was something that, you know, this guy's going to be one of those really good directors later, which I really did think. But the other one is that it's... When I read the reviews for Let Me In, they were good enough, and they were talking about how it was so equal to the movie that it was a remake of, that I was just like, alright, well I guess I'll watch the American version by the Cloverfield guy. Mm-hmm. So I saw that movie, and I actually bought it in 2010, because I liked it. Another thing for cultural context, at the time that this movie was coming out, so Let the Right One In comes out in 2008... That's the same year that Twilight comes out, right? Mm. And I remember it being such a big deal uh, to romanticize, like, you know, <laughs> what if someone falls in love with a vampire? And I don't think it was intentional, but the fact that this movie comes out around the same time and deals with... This is probably closer, like, to what a romance with a vampire would actually feel like. Unfortunately... Yes, and it's like dude, it's funny because normally you're the person that's like, I want to save my my thoughts till we get to the recording, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking. Like, I remember I was getting home last night, and like you texted me. I saw that I either had a missed text or something from you talking about um, how you felt like you know there's that interesting dynamic how the vampire character is like very predatory of like our main protagonist mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god i have so many thoughts and i can't wait till we start talking about that. yeah but one thing i did want to mention like kind of more of a credit to matt reeves and the cinematographer that worked with him on um on let me in like you and i discussed it how there was certain shots like i texted you and like there's shots that feel like the Batman literally ripped and then put into that film. <laughs> like, it is so wild how, one, to see the progression of these this duo, and also, two, to see what works well. Like, it's one of those things that, you know, when you find something that works and you know how to film it, like, for example, the, the you know, there's a scene in Let Me In with the when the car rolls over, and all I can think of is, wow, so they've done this shot before so they knew how to make it look so good in the batman so it was one of those things it's a it's really cool to see a movie at the beginning of a director's career um or close to the beginning of his career and then like kind of where he where they progressed 10 years later well that and then just like the the darkness like for some reason this cinematographer is able to capture like just the dread of staring off into dark spaces and uh, it's just, it's really interesting to see it. So both of these movies, I guess we'll, we'll really get into Let the Right One In because that was the movie we initially were going to review. Yeah, that's the main one. And I guess we'll talk about how certain story beats or certain scenes are kind of copied from Let Me In and kind of how that works. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think with that, let's get into it. So, right. so the movie revolves around uh, our main character is a twelve-year-old boy named Oscar. So real quick, I gotta say, sound design of let uh, let the right one in, fantastic, because it took me a minute to even realize whether like I I play the movie, 
don't hear anything for like the first like 30 seconds i'm like did i mess up Mm -hmm. and it it right away it starts making you feel uncomfortable and then like you said it goes in and introduces us to our main character oscar well the other thing too about foreign movies and i think we talked about this when we did parasite but it's just like it feels like non-american movies have like they they don't feel like they're beholden to a set of narrative rules Mm -hmm. so it's like the way things are shown like this is so kind of like in your face matter of fact less cgi a hundred percent less cgi (laughs) well okay i'm lying we'll say 90 percent cgi Mm -hmm. um but right off the bat we get introduced to oscar who is kind of standing in his underwear in his room playing with a pocket knife saying something about killing a pig you're gonna squeal like a little pig Mm -hmm. um and kind of almost having like the tough guy speech from uh, from uh, the taxi driver, where Oscar is just like stabbing at the air, and you can tell right off the bat, I'm like, oh, this kid is going to be a future serial killer, <laughs> and you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, we learn that Oscar lives with his uh, mom Yvonne in Stockholm. Um, in Stockholm, no, Sweden, Sweden, yeah. right? In Stockholm, it's like a, I guess, some sort of suburban area. They're in some sort of apartment building. Um, it takes place in the early '80s, and that's why it, like, the Rubik's cube is given such like importance <laughs> because it was an '80s toy that mm-hmm. was very popular. Um, and so it kind of deals with, I guess, the idea that this kid is 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 going through a divorce or his parents are going through a divorce and just the sense of social isolation that he gets not to mention also the physical isolation which they capture really well in this movie since so much of it takes place at night and how they do a really good job of only focusing on the one building they're usually filming in <laughs> and how they do such like and how they do such a good job of engulfing everything else in blackness which is the same thing that let me in does right Except they're in Let Me In the they're in Los Alamos in in, in New Mexico. In New Mexico, yeah. yeah. Which um, is probably what you think. I mean, it's not that far off from what somewhere in New Mexico would be like. It definitely feels like those places in the U.S. where it's like people's yards go straight into like a forest or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, and the other thing too is Let Me In more than anything, but it captures this kind of. You know, like that that aesthetic that becomes popular, like in the 2010s, uh, by like Stranger Things and stuff. You know, like it, it's just this re how how Stranger Things and Super Eight and Let Me In and those kinds of things. The kids on bikes aesthetic. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. brought back this like 1980s Spielberg or the kids from ET and stuff like that. And Matt Reeves specifically, when interviewed, talked about how one of the techniques he used. Um, for let me in was was like it was it was something that Spielberg initially wanted to do with ET, uh, which was we don't talk to any of the adults. You don't even see most of the adults in ET. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only ones that you do are D Wallace and then the NASA guy with the keys that are hanging off his belt. Mm-hmm. And this one basically is like that. You know, anytime that you see like uh, you know in the in the, the original movie, it's Oscar. In the American movie, it's uh, Owen. Owen. Mm-hmm. So the Owen 
uh, character's mother is always kind of blurred away or like shot from like a distance so that you can't really see her face. And it's almost kind of like the Charlie Brown thing where like she talks, but it's kind of muffled and you don't really understand what it is. And it's more like you're watching everything through the perspective of the kids. So, yeah, as opposed to here in Let the Right One In, where the prim, like, you know, there's adults that get entire subplots. Like, you know, Owen, Owen uh, Oscar's mom has, is more of a character, and she has more of like a defined role in this movie. Um, so that, it's one of those interesting choices. This is one of the things I really liked from Let Me In is that it focused more on the kids. But um, yeah, as we meet Oscar, we realize that he has a uh intriguing like in, he has he's intrigued by by newspaper stories about murder yes um he saves clippings about murder we also find out that he is not really treated too hot at school he's bullied there's a bunch of kids yes um he's that... hardcore bullied like it feels <laughs> like stephen king like novel bullying what's his name they Her- want to kill those kids what's his name harry bowers no bowers was yeah it? henry bowers henry bowers and, yeah and, then, and that... then also like the Kiefer sutherland character from stand by me like it, it it is it is something that was in 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 stephen king's books that like made these like 50s greaser bullies like the most frightening people on earth it made me laugh how the bully was like hey oscar and when he turns around he's like what the fuck are you looking at oscar <laughs> and the entire time I'm like you called him over asshole no wonder he turned around <laughs> it's just like such kid bullying but like taken to the nth degree mm-hmm. but yeah it, after that um after we get introduced to those characters, um, Oscar begins to kind of hang out outside at night, and this is where he meets a character, or, you know, he meets um, Ellie, Ellie and uh, Let the Right yeah. One In, and her parent guardian, who have kind of moved in, and they've taken on the, um, and they've taken on the, or they moved into the apartment next to Oscar. And you know, the first time I watched this movie... Uh, well, the first time I watched the remake years and years ago, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what the relationship was between the Ellie character and the adult caregiver. And it took me the second time watching it, or it took me until like halfway into the movie where I understood what was finally happening. And um, so, yeah, obviously because they're both in the court, they spend so much time in the courtyard and uh oscar's basically left alone for much of his life you know like he basically he can escape at any hours of the day which is it makes sense that this takes place in the 80s because obviously after the 90s like people were a lot more like you 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 wouldn't have these like kids that leave the house the way that these guys do Yep. and um but he meets uh the character of ellie uh, he's intrigued by her, and it's just like this, like pale kid who, you know, he did, he never sees at school. Mm-hmm. He strikes up conversations with her, um, only but, sees her at night. Yeah, only sees her at night. Doesn't really think about the. I mean, he brings it up, but there's nothing. Un- there's nothing weird enough to set alarms off for him right away about the fact that he never sees this new girl at school or anything. And it is very interesting that the first thing her guardian Hakan does, Hakan, Hakan, is that he covers up every window 
with newspaper mm-hmm. um, to stop natural sunlight from getting in. Right. So that's the thing. Obviously, if you already know what this movie is going to be about, you're like, oh my god, the red flags are everywhere. Right. Uh, you, going into this movie, I know that it's about a romance between a kid and a vampire. So obviously, it's like it's one of those movies where I feel like it goes into it with you understanding what the premise is. So the idea isn't revealing these things to you as the audience, but revealing it to the character of Oscar as the movie goes on. So you see the things in your periphery that that lead you to understand exactly who Ellie is, but Oscar is kind of like got this childlike innocence and he doesn't fully understand what's happening. And I think there's a couple different things that's happening here. One of them is it just feels like he's at an age where he's probably starting to explore understand you know not only his own sexuality but maybe attraction to girls because he seems like i don't know if he's inherently interested in girls but it's it's weird it feels like with ellie part of it is that he just feels like he finally has a friend in the world and then the other one is definitely just the fact that he's growing to an age where he is looking at girls differently and you know maybe to a 12 year old boy the idea of female anatomy is almost like (laughs) you're trying to get to know a monster i don't know (laughs) what where were you going with no i mean like it's it's, oh you mean it's terrifying in the sense that you're not you don't understand it's just like and the fact maybe less so with something like let the right one in but specifically with let me in american education is so puritanical and anti-understanding sexuality that there's just so like we could have full podcast episodes where you and I could discuss things that we didn't understand about human sexuality until we were adults. Because I'm, it's never taught in school and no one in your family will ever tell you about it. I'm, uh, what was it? Yeah, I know all about the Cliboris. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's not played up in a way where... Um, yeah, it's definitely not played up in the weird way, like, where we have this weird fascination kind of fear of sex. It's it's literally played up to be completely innocent, right? Mm-hmm. It's literally a boy probably developing his first, like, at first literally just happy to not be alone anymore. Mm-hmm. And possibly it turning into him developing, like, a crush on somebody. So it really is a boy, like, learning about his first crush. Right. Um... And it is really interesting because this plays in a little bit later, right? Like how the filmmakers, um, I didn't see it, but um, a lot of people, like especially as you read more articles and learn more about the themes of the film, how or it's if you, played up. That, or if you read the novel, because yeah. this is based on a novel. And also named the, Let the Right One In. <laughs> right, and the Let the Right One In novel, uh, I guess, I don't know if it implies or just straight out says that Ellie is very likely a castrated male. No, it's it, they say it. Okay. In the book, it is very clearly stated that she was castrated before she turned into a vampire. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why she has mutilated um, genitalia. Yeah, which but, I believe at some point in the novel, she even shows the Oscar character. And then, um, but yeah, like, it's one of those things where, uh, to reflect that in this movie, 
they say that they picked the the actress to play uh, Ellie because she did look very androgynous. Mm-hmm. And that she did have a very like yeah non binary kind of look to her, mm-hmm. um, which they play around with later on in the film, which I thought was really cool. Right, um, and I yeah. think the biggest that's the biggest difference between the original movie and the Matt Reeves film because the Matt Reeves film, even though there are scenes where Chloe Moretz's character, who's called Abby in that one, mm-hmm. there are scenes where uh, Abby specifically tells the Owen character, uh, "I'm not a girl," but at the same time, like it's more, it feels more like she's saying it as. I'm not a girl. I'm, I'm not a like, I'm not either of these genders. I'm something else that yeah. you wouldn't understand. Whereas I get the feeling in the in the original movie, and again, it's spelled out in the novel that that yes, it, the Ellie character was at some point a male, and uh, you know is now female. It, you know, was but castrated then, at some time. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to tell because this is still kind of early before I think, you know, before I think we make more of a concerted effort to understand, you know, the... Pronouns and identity. Exactly. Preferred gender identities. And I think this is, because it is before that, it, it's hard for me to talk too much about it without risking saying something that, like, that that just doesn't that either doesn't line up with how we look at these things today or just you know we just don't look at it the same way as we did back in 08 it's hard to think about it but 08 is already such a long time ago and in the time since we've just i think our thinking about about how we identify in terms of gender has changed so much i mean 14 years right and you know it's one of those things where one you know i think i'll you know i'll just drop it because i did check out some of the stuff on imdb like the facts page Mm -hmm. so it turns out that they were trying to play up and make ellie um a trans character uh to the point where they i guess i'll use i'll try to use they like i think i know i already said she a couple times but i'm gonna try to use they yeah um that they have the trans flag like color scheme in their sweater oh. at one point. And then I look back and I look at stills from like that first couple scenes where they're wearing a sweater and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I, you do see it. So it was one of those things that was made like with a concerted effort for Let the Right One In. Okay, perfect. Yeah, then absolutely. Then this is something that's a lot more forward thinking than I think we even couldn't have imagined that. Yeah, and I, I mean, it goes to show you maybe Matt Reeves thought, hey, this is something that America isn't ready to talk about and you know it might not line. even be a thing where it's something Matt Reeves said I yeah. don't want to focus on it it could just be it could be a studio decision studios could be, yeah, yeah. Let's be what real. is the studio going to bankroll what is the MPAA going to approve yeah and it could be that you know they maybe they did carry it over and it just got cut it was one of the who knows right mm-hmm. there could be any number of things um, but kind of moving forward uh, we get introduced to, to Hakan the guardian uh, Ellie's guardian and essentially, he's kind of on the prowl. He's a very kind of yeah. Uh, he's a, he's he's a serial killer, but he's maybe one of the worst serial killers on earth. He's a bumble butt to the max. Right, and it's like at first you're like, wow, this guy is really fucking terrible at what he does. And then later in the movie, it's gonna make sense why he's so bad at what he does. But basically, again, 
as you said, he goes on the prowl. He finds people that are in, you know, either jogging in, in dark, underlit areas uh, who are under bridges uh, or sometimes he'll, like, sneak into the, tr- you know, into the back seats of cars mm-hmm. <laughs> and put, like, a bag over his head. Very, like, <laughs> early Jason, but... Um, it gives me Zodiac vibes, too. It gives Zodiac vibes when he has it, but it's just, like... Like, you know, when he's in the restaurant, there's a scene where he brings attention to himself because he refuses to talk to anybody, which already makes people suspicious of him. And then when he finally goes and talk, like he, like there's a scene you were talking about where he attacks a jogger in the, a uh-huh. jogger in the forest. And it's like he manages to, like he has this face mask contraption where he's able to like knock people out with it. And then uh, he strings this person up and then slits their throat so that he can drain them of blood, right? And he has, like, this funnel and a gallon that kind of collect the blood. Mm-hmm. But, and it, it's almost like a horror com- like a horror comedy scene where a dog comes running up to him and he tries to shoo the dog away as these jog- or this other group of women try to follow him or try to, like, get the dog. And he's like trying to no get out of here get out of here and then finally like he spills all the blood the blood goes everywhere he's just like fuck yeah <laughs> he just grabs his shit and leaves leaves the body there i'm just like oh my god like this guy's really fucking bad <laughs> right and i think it's important for us to maybe to get into why he's so bad at this uh because okay while while this kind of like b plot is happening of you know of this character on the prowl, like, trying to capture and kill people. He's obviously doing it so that he can bring blood home to Ellie. Um, Oscar is sitting in his room, and I guess to his wall, like, you know, is paper thin, as many apartment buildings can be. And damn, on one those side I- it's- damn those Ikea fucking architects <laughs> and making those goddamn Ikea apartment buildings. <laughs> um... And you can, and he can hear all the arguing that's happening between uh, Ellie and her guardian, quote unquote, um, to where you know it's just like a all right, I basically have to go do it myself kind of deal, and uh, because you know he failed so miserably, Ellie ends up having to go out and and taking care of business uh, themselves. So, um, sorry, I'm gonna try not to misgender, and I'm from this point forward, I'm going to use they just just. For the sake of yeah. not not getting into the binary gender structure here, but yeah, we're trying our best, y'all. So our yeah. bad. <laughs> so so they go out on on the prowl, and you know Ellie is the one who finds someone and attacks and drinks their blood as a vampire does. I love, <laughs> I love that they use practical effects whenever Ellie climbs stuff and like how Ellie comes flying. Off it the top is, rope, damn near the yes. jock. That's the one thing. Let Me In does it in a very... It's CGI, and it looks, like, not that great. Whereas I feel the original movie leans in so much more into the horror aspect because it does use practical effects, and it feels kind of exorcist to me. Very. <laughs> I like that you mentioned that because it does give off that vibe. Yes. And I think the fact that the, the character in there is... You know, like, because in Let Me In, it's Chloe Moretz, who we had just seen in Kick-Ass, like, you know, that same year, and we just, like, associated her with being, like, the charming, cute kid from Kick-Ass, that it's, like, yeah, this pale face, like, 
you know, frightening child <laughs> in in the 08 movie. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that they've like that they've given Ellie even paler makeup, and even when Ellie is kind of feasting on blood, the face looks a little Pazuzu or Reagan changing into a demon a bit. <laughs> and they do this a couple times where it's like they and I I didn't find anything. Like that kind of outright says it, but you can tell they change the actor. Where Ellie switches to someone that looks a lot more, I don't know, like yeah, maybe more, maybe more male. Yeah, more, <laughs> yeah. more definitely more masculine looking. Yeah, it looks like it's a it looks like a dude wearing a wig, right? And like her, the the Ellie makeup. I, hey, uh, James Wan does it all the time, right? His the demons in James Wan movies are usually men in drag. Yeah. And it's one of those things, and, and they do this whenever Ellie's feeding. They do this here when Ellie attacks Jacques, and then later on when uh, when Oscar tries to do the blood pack. And that's where you really notice it, and of course you're watching it. Because it's the closest that you get. Yes. The other thing that they do with, with when Ellie is feeding on people is they shoot it like at a distance to where you're almost a voyeur watching it from behind the trees somewhere. And and then and then you get the great sound of Ellie snapping Jock's neck, and I'm just like, oh god, <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. It is brutal, and yeah, this movie definitely is more of a horror movie because even though the Matt Reeves movie is good, this movie is scarier. No, hundred percent, I agree with that. This one is definitely has more of an eerie, uncomfortable feeling to it. Um. And then after that, I think that's where Hakan like berates Ellie over attacking someone in the town, someone that people knew. So he ends up going back out and disposing of the body by dumping it in a lake. Like essentially, like there's a frozen lake, and he he opens up a hole in it so he can dump the body and hide it under the ice. Um, yeah, because that <laughs> that's gonna pay off. That never that can't possibly be a terrible idea. And, and yeah, so as the relationship between Ellie and Oscar starts to bloom, Ellie fi- uh, does the Rubik's cube. Um, Oscar, like, you know, it's this thing where 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 he starts telling her about himself, but at the same time, like, if Ellie is like straight up with him, saying, you know, hey, we can't, you know, I can't be, you know, your friend, or we can't be close, or something like that, like, you know. Ellie's very clear about it and and Oscar is like I I feel like he doesn't understand because it's almost like a hey I actually have someone who's like gonna be friends with me and talking to me now but I don't know what I'm supposed to do and it's just it's weird it's just it's this awkward thing at first well it's like you said it's very much that he's innocent and naive of what's going on right exactly not, not necessarily in the sense of being naive about like the fact that she's a vampire or I'm sorry they're a vampire but he's naive of the fact that how to talk to someone who appears the opposite gender of him. That's true. So it's also it's one of those things where it's like Oscar doesn't know how to take a hint and Ellie's trying to be very like, hey, you know, I really only like you as a friend and even then I can't be your friend. And here Oscar's like, come on, yeah, we can. Through the power of friendship, we can do anything. And it's like, oof, kid. You are well, how come... Actually, even asks her, please not to see that boy. And okay, this is where I start to get it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want him to see that boy because Hakan 
is literally Ellie's old boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing about this movie that this movie captures that something like Twilight or like more of these romanticized vampire movies will never capture. And that's the the fact that the misery and the pain of falling in love with and being with a vampire comes from the fact that they may be bound to AIDS in a much slower form than you will and or sometimes they're stuck in the body they transformed into and that way Ellie is going to be a 12 year old child forever right meanwhile Hakan grows up to be like a 60 70 year old man still caring for them and you know what and the character in Let Me In the Hakan character I feel like I have way more sympathy for him in in the remake and I and it comes from one scene there's one scene where he is sitting in you know in Abby's room uh and he's like listening to a Walkman Thomas is his name yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah 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 so sorry I hope we don't confuse the people but I'm sure if you've watched both of these movies you'll kind of understand I mean I think you know Hakan is the Swedish name and Thomas or I could just call American him the, I could just call him the caregiver yeah, as well there you go um so the caregiver character let me in he's sitting against the wall listening to a Walkman and uh you know and Chloe Moretz's character comes in and tells him to to leave the room so that she can do the Morse code That's right. thing with Owen on the other side. And I just feel really bad for him because he clearly isn't happy about the fact that she's going to continue to talk with this boy. But there's nothing he can really do about it. And it's almost like, I kind of chose this life, so now I'm doomed to a life of... You know, I'm in love with someone, but I can only be with them for maybe a couple of years until I'm too old to be with them. And now I basically just have to be a guardian to them and bring fresh blood to them every few days until I eventually get old and die. Like, it's one of those things. And I go back to what you texted me last night, that these movies both make the vampire look very predatory. And it's not just in the sense of blood, of their bloodlust. It's also in the sense of, like, the partner they choose to have in their life. Like, it's like they go out and they prey on these people with insecurities. You have to assume that the caretaker was much like Oscar, a kid that, you know, probably didn't have too many prospects, too many people that he felt cared for him. And it's just easy prey for someone that can manipulate like, I'm not saying that this movie, this movie really frames it in a way that it's like, it's supposed to be sweet, and it's like the burgeoning love, right? But then it's like, it also doesn't shy away from the fact that, no, they are manipulative. And yes. as vampires, they are manipulative. They get what they want, and even though they might have some sort of feeling towards this person. Like, I do think that Ellie is interested in Oscar that part of it is Ellie's own loneliness mm-hmm. where it's like yes they are with the caregiver for a while but that only lasts a finite amount of time mm-hmm. and when the relationship changes between the vampire and the caregiver eventually you know that person's not going to be around forever so maybe it's Ellie having a bit of an existential moment where it's like, you know, it's almost like the fear of losing a parent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you get that, 
but then it's yeah again i think what i mentioned to you about it feeling so predatory is that even though you know ellie abby are quote-unquote 12 years old it's not the same thing as a 12 year old human Mm -hmm. and because the vampire has been 12 years old for so many years or for so long it definitely gives off the vibe especially now of you know like older person dating younger person who's a minor and then it's like okay that's whether everyone's okay with it or not there is something it's wrong. predatory something wrong and not right about it. it it reminds me how an interview for a vampire or interview with a vampire sorry um kirsten dunce's character gets pissed because she got turned into a vampire right and she finds out that the because she's a child pretty much that's the way she's gonna look for all eternity now mm-hmm. and how she gets furious at i think it was maybe that's a movie we need to do because i totally like i forget exactly who's in it but i think she gets furious at like brad pitt's character for it and it's just like no oh, that's gonna be what i look like forever or something like that like i also haven't seen interview for with a vampire in a long time <laughs> interview for a vampire I'm i would like to it. interview to be a vampire please <laughs> i heard that you have help wanted for vampires <laughs> can i be one of the cool danny trejo ones <laughs> but yeah it is very predatory and it's very sad like it's it's and it's something i'm actually i find very interesting that you know because i think twilight handles it where freaking edward turns bella into a vampire by the end of the series spoilers for <laughs> twilight for anyone who hasn't seen it yeah and i've i've seen a couple of them i haven't seen all of them but if i recall he's definitely like the no don't love me kind of guy yeah. but again it, it's it, I mean, it's they... more romanticized it's it it's made to feel more and i got problems with twilight too man especially that last one don't get us started they on will, twilight well not even just that but they would they will they will do things in twilight at the end that are very predatory and problematic for me oh you mean like when the werewolf like <laughs> hooks up with edward and bella's daughter like when she's of age even though he's like 60 or something well, the creepiest part about that is the actress who plays the child, they CGI her face onto an adult's body. It's <laughs> in like a flash forward. That's fucking gross. Okay. All right. Let's not get right, lost let's... in the forest for the trees here. But I did. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like you understand where as a vampire, a being that lives forever that can never really truly make connection, just want, it feels alone. And they actually feel like they, they find uh, someone that they can connect with. It presents it as what it really is, which is a tragedy. Yeah, and that's what it is. And unfortunately... Her- and I think the, the... I don't remember if this is the case and Let the Right One In, but in Let Me In, Abby's really interested in Owen's book on Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And I think no, there's those... nothing like that on and let the right one in. Okay, they and it's a little know. bit more American. Let me hit you over the head with what the point of this is. But mm-hmm. obviously, I think the fact that Romeo and Juliet are the star-crossed lovers that are madly in love with each other, but it's such a quick, you know, it is such a quick moment that they have together before they eventually marry and kill themselves. <laughs> Again, it's, it's, it's there's something Shakespearean about it. And there's something Shakespearean about the relationship that it's presented here. Yeah, but I mean, he. I think this movie, Let the Right One In, does 
goes more out of its way to establish like no this is, oh sorry well it goes more out of its way to just be like this is no this this is what it is like ellie is also just as abusive and manipulative in this because it serves an end mm-hmm. they're just lonely and it's understandable existence sucks yeah but you know unfortunately they choose to perpetuate this cycle of right. kind of using people and okay so other things that the movies have is there is like this really one of the few adults that are shown in the movie is the gym teacher or the gym coach oh the italian dude no <laughs> spanish dude yeah. which and then what i love about let me in is it's actually like the russian guy who plays the mobster in dark knight <laughs> it's funny they, the let me in has elias Coteus in it who yes. some people may remember as uh no one's gonna remember but <laughs> Casey Jones. Casey Jones and Teenage yeah. Ninja Turtles. Um, we've, which we've reviewed as well. Yeah, we have. That one there. It's but, so crazy to like to, to think back at all the movies that we've done. But yes, we have seen this guy before. Yeah. And so, we've seen him in a couple movies. I think he was in Zodiac and we talked about him in Zodiac. He was in, yeah, he was in Zodiac. He's an excellent character actor. And you recognize him anytime you see him. He's the police officer and Let Me In. And he's been in a ton of other movies that you've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big, th- the reasons why Let Me In was so big is because it was it was a movie made by Hammer Studios in 2010. I was about to say it was like this short window of time where Hammer was relaunching, mm-hmm. and the two movies that they made that year that were kind of like a big hit was uh, Let Me In, and then shortly after that they did a remake of this horror movie called The Woman in Black, mm-hmm. starring Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, it was just coming movie? off yeah. of the Harry Potter movies. I remember that movie. I didn't watch it, but I remember like the the campaigns for it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So kind of, I guess moving back then with uh, let the right one in. So after Ellie attacks um, Jacques, uh, Jacques uh, Hakan tries to go and get another victim. So he ends up jumping a teenage boy at the local pool or at the local gym. He tries to lock him up. Um, and tries to drain his blood. However, the boy's friends are already waiting for him. And they start knocking on the door. Like, they were waiting to go hang out with him. So they all start trying to, like, get in. Um, Hakim isn't able to kill him in time. And the other boys end up breaking in. So Hakim ends up grabbing this uh, vial of hydrochloric acid he carries with him. And he runs and, like, traps himself, like, barricades himself in a back room. Mm-hmm. The boys free their friend as Hakam like, th- dumps the hydrochloric acid over his face. Yes. And essentially, Harvey dents himself. <laughs> right. He does it so that he's unrecognizable and it doesn't get traced back to Ellie. Yeah. And in Let Me In, it actually starts with this character in the hospital. I hate that. And the sheriff who's coming to look to look at them i'm yeah i was on angel this i'm not a huge fan of when movies start in the middle of stuff now like it's one of those things where there's no real reason for it for sure like it, it's one of those things where it, it's an attention grabber and it can be very effective the problem is that you know like as the years have gone by i'd rather a filmmaker have more confidence in their story to start from the natural beginning as opposed to an interesting point. Like, go ahead, give us the natural, like, the natural progression of your story. Like, don't just tease me with something cool that's going to happen in about an hour in, you know? Yeah. I um, would argue that Let Me In is 
is like one of the earlier works of a director that we know is going to come back to do better films mm-hmm. later. And it's just like, because it's so early in Matt Reeves' career, I think one of the issues with Let Me In is that it feels so derivative of other things. And I think part of it is like, part of it is not its own fault. Like, it does feel derivative of Spielberg, but it, this happened in 2010. So this was even the year before Super 8 came out. Mm-hmm. So it was like... It was it was it was a throwback to something that people hadn't fully embraced yet and wouldn't fully embrace for another four or five years when Stranger Things came out. Yeah. And then it came out and then it's just like all this other stuff where eventually everyone is doing this aesthetic. And um so it's it's almost like a yeah, it's too much Spielberg. At the same time, it's too much like this other movie that we that many audiences uh, look at as being better. And uh, as you said, it, it's it's it starts in the middle and brings you back to to the beginning. Maybe to start it off on more of an action note, or to get people pulled in, or you know, it's just basically like it almost feels like maybe the confidence level isn't there to have the audience kind of meet the film where it's at. I mean, it's and a, that's why it's done that way. I mean, it's start contracts, right? As opposed to a movie that starts like Let the Right One In that started with complete silence. Yes. And Which I think you mentioned that is a it's it's a very impressive opening. Like it got me immediately. It was one of those it, it was interesting how the silence was what I had to like cuz I was I was being the jackass and looking at my phone while I'm watching it. And I and I noticed like I'm like wait I press play right so I went and I checked I'm like no I press play the, the movie's going I'm like what are they go- what are these bastards going for and that's it what- kind of reminded me of like the very 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 beginning of the Jordan Peele produced Candyman reboot oh. where they did the backwards Universal logo and mm-hmm. stuff. And I thought that the movie that we were wa- that the theater that we were watching in it had like a projector that was mirroring the wrong way, and we were like, "Someone messed up," and it's yeah. like, "No, that was done on purpose." Like, yeah. As opposed to "Let Me In," where they start with you know sirens blaring and stuff, which I mean, two different ways to start a film. I just prefer the first one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think. Uh, so yeah, this kind of takes us. And I think the main difference from between, or the main difference between "Let Me In" and "Let the Right One In," as far as this scene goes, is that Thomas is, sneaks in the back of someone's car, and uh, while you think kind of how Hawkum was able to t- knock someone out at a at a railroad stop, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas tries to do the same thing. But at this point, the oh no 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 I'm lying. That was in "Let Me In." And "Let Me In," Thomas is waiting in the back seat, and he knocks someone out at the a railroad stop. Mm-hmm. Um, he tries to do the same thing, sneaking into a dude's car. The The guy ended up picking up a friend, um, and it was at a gas station. He knocks the friend out, and as he tries to steal the kid's car, the kid and a bunch of his friends who were randomly at the gas station chase after Thomas, and this is where Thomas ends up rolling the car, and this is where we get the beautiful shot of the car rolling and everyone, like, it, you know, a shot that... Was very proto penguin getting yes. tossed about in his car. It in is the literally the same kind of shot as so the penguin good. in Batman. So it's like once the car rolls to a stop, Thomas, like knowing that the jig is up, essentially does the same exact thing as Hockham and uh, you know dumps hydrochloric acid on his um, face, which kind of catches up to the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And from here on, both hospital scenes play out the same, where Ellie and Abby both go to the hospital, and they. 
and well, yeah, they try to speak to the nurse. The nurse tells Ellie that, or Ellie asks for their father. Uh, the nurse, you know, tries to get a name, but I. The nurse notices in both that it's a barefoot. barefoot child, and they're walking in snow. And I love the way Ellie and both Ellie and Abby both do it, where they play the frightened child to as a way to go around not giving. Yes. One, Tom, the caretaker's name, and not exposing themselves. Right. And again, and, this plays into my thought how they're both manip- they're great at manipulating the situations they're in. And let the right one in, again, does the more frightening thing of the nurse comes to outside the hospital looking for the child. And right behind her is Ellie, like, climbing up. Does the spider crawl? And I loved it because you don't notice it until Ellie starts moving. And I was like, what the fuck? I had to rewind it and I got kind of, oh my god. It's scary. It reminds me, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so normal. And the normalness of it is what makes it so creepy. It reminds me of like when we watch Exorcist 3 and we see the scene of the old lady that's like crawling on the ceiling behind Kinderman. Like that's what that looked like. It was so like we're not playing any music. It's just silently happening in the background. Oh no, I'll do you one better. What it reminded me of was Hereditary when Tony Collette's in the ceiling in Peter's room and she just floats away. I was like, oh my god, I get the same fucking goosebumps. It was so cool. And of course, in Let Me In, they do the same thing, except it was more CGI. It was more CGI, and it looks like... By 100% more CGI. And it just, again, it just feels too... It feels too Stranger Things to feel like something out of a horror movie. Uh, It's here that Ellie um, confronts uh, Hockam. Hockam lets... Um, or Hockham gets up out of the bed and he kind of offers his neck to Ellie for Ellie to feed. They do, and then Hockham ends up collapsing outside of the window and falls something like five stories. But on the way down, there's that sickening hit where if the fall didn't kill him, the hit totally did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as his uh, body lands, of course, uh, there's a lot more screaming and I think let me in, but you know. People come rushing out and Ellie makes her escape. Or their escape, sorry. Um, it was also during this time where um, Oscar ends up getting bullied some more by by his... Uh, well, you know, kind of interspersed between these scenes. Oscar gets bullied some more. Uh, where he ends up getting, like, kind of hit with a switch um, outside in the cold. Way more brutal in Let the Right One In. Yeah. Like, I remember... It's funny. In Let the in Let the Right One In, there's at least one of the bullies at all times that's like, hey, maybe we're pushing this a little too far. You do get that in Let Me In as well. And it's funny. The main bully in Let Me In is... The Clay ex. from uh, 13 Reasons Why. And he's in, the, in Scream. <laughs> yeah. The, he's, the, he's the sheriff from Scream's... Like... He's the sheriff's kid in Scream 5 who, like, is murdered pretty early in that movie, so... I'm surprised we haven't done that one yet. We both watched it already. What? Scream uh, 5? Scream 5? Yes, I we watched... did. We did do that, didn't we? Uh, did we do 5 Cream? 5 Cream. <laughs> Actually, no, we probably haven't. We, we haven't. did that new Scream movie. Dylan Minnette, that's the kid's name. Yeah. Dylan Minnette is the is the bully in, um, in Let Me In. Um, but yeah, so they end up... 
attacking Oscar, and Oscar kind of gets like a scar on his cheek. Uh, he tells his mom that he kind of fell. And I think one of the bullies even says, yo, what are you going to tell his mom, like, if she asks? And uh, he ends up lying, saying he fell during recess or something. But uh, Ellie, being protective of him, tells him to strike back, to hit. Yes. Hit harder and to not be afraid to be the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and he takes this into consideration because the next, when they go on a field trip... The bully, once again, kind of goes out of his way to try to accost Oscar. Oscar is playing with what looks like kind of like a ski, like a ski pole. Mm -hmm. And he tells the bully, if you get any closer to me, I'm going to hit you with this. And not really believing Oscar, he keeps trying to be a habitual line stepper until he habitually line stepped his way into an ass whooping. <laughs> Oscar like cracks him over the head with the ski pole as the the Spanish like gym teacher starts shouting. Yes. Um, and in Let Me In, I think it's even more brutal. It's actually one of the few times where Let Me In is more brutal because when it when they hit the bully. It like shows how he mutilated his ear. It like, splits his ear in half. Yeah. It's ugh. And it's it's one of the things we didn't talk about is that in the beginning of Let Me In, we have the you know Oscar Owen character who's standing in front of the mirror, but he's wearing like a flesh colored oh, mask that looks like that. something out of. Uh, the Strangers or like those Purge movies. It reminded me of the kids' mask, the the son's mask from uh, Us. Yeah, yeah. It, it was something that like it's it's the one it's the one thing that I think Let Me In does way creepier <laughs> because I think if I were to see like Oscar in a similar mask, I'd be even more frightened. But it's just yeah, it, it's and and let me give credit to that to that actor from Let Me In, Cody Smith McVie, mm-hmm. who like has now grown up, and I think he, I forget which movie it was, but he was actually nominated for an Academy Award this year. I hope he's uh, grown for up for supporting too. actor. <laughs> no, um, he was he was fantastic. I thought Owen was going to be a serial killer. <laughs> like both of, and we talked about it. We joked obviously that both of them give off very antisocial vibes but for some reason owen comes off like someone that is going to he was well on his way to doing something violent before but you know what i feel like oscar the character of oscar from that movie does feel like someone who's more inclined like who's more interested in violence and i think ellie even mentions it at some point in the movie where it's like i kill because i have to but you want to kill, that, or you yeah. want to know what killing is like. That was a really interesting conversation, because yeah. it, the movie does deposit that he's thought about it. He yeah. has an obsession with death to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, after that, um, after Oscar attacks the bully, uh, one of the teachers comes running to take care of his split ear. And we find out that the, one of the kids discovered the body of uh, the person that... Hockham uh, dumped in the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find Jock's body, um, which then becomes like this whole thing. The cops come and they like get the body out, and it just starts this whole other investigation. Um, so a little bit after that, uh, this is kind of where Oscar starts kind of discovering that he's a, that uh, Ellie's a vampire, because this is the where he tries to form the blood bond with Ellie. 
by what is it with 80s kids and blood bonds like they did the same thing in freaking what was it in it where right they do the they do the blood oath and yeah obviously. i mean it was either that or you know have the most disturbing scene from a stephen king movie play out but they were like yeah, so so he tries to offer his blood for um, Ellie to kind of form this bond where they get close. Ellie ends up losing their shit and starts drinking the blood off the ground, revealing kind of a more like yeah, the more masculine, like a more monstrous form, much to Oscar's fear. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, it's this is very effective because we're almost seeing it through Oscar's eyes at this point, where we finally get kind of up close look at what Ellie looks like feeding and it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like a dog like licking like water out of a bowl kind of. And it looks it just looks so inhuman that uh that I think yeah, specifically in let the right one in it's a lot creepier. Um, at, yeah, at this point Ellie enters like a bloodlust and ends up running out because they don't want to hurt Oscar. But this is where they end up finding one of the... I think you mentioned it was the the landlord's, like, girlfriend. Yes. Um, this is where... Um, this is where they find Virginia. And Ellie ends up attacking Virginia. Um, the landlord, Locke, is able to kind of fight Ellie off. Ellie escapes. Uh, but they take... Um, oh, no. Vir- yeah, Virginia, like, tries to go to, like, a friend's house... Mm-hmm. Where this is the shittiest scene in the movie, and um, where, and not shitty in the sense that it's like bad or it hurt or it just hurt my eyeballs. <laughs> like it was sand. <laughs> to quote a friend of the show, it was sandpaper on my eyeballs because they have the worst looking CGI feral cats ever. <laughs> who then proceed to attack Virginia and at one point she goes screaming out of the apartment with like seven cats on her body like biting her well, and while this is supposed to be terrifying the CGI on the cats is so fucking it bad looked, yeah it's the it's the scene where it looked way too much Batman Returns mm-hmm. or something out of Tim Burton to really feel scary and it let me in does a great job of just cutting that entire scene yes let me in this is where let me in is better is that it it reduces the importance of some of that other stuff Mm -hmm. and makes those people way more on the periphery where it's i was shocked uh watching let the right one in how much they focused on these like you know apartment characters Mm -hmm. and so after that um Oscar confronts Ellie, uh, who finally admits that she's a vampire. Mm-hmm. First time the movie in the movie they even use the word vampire. Actually. Right. In in the other thing about Let Me In is that I guess not the subtlety, but it's just they never really say it in mm-hmm. Let Me In. Let Me In is a lot more implied, not only about the you know gender of uh, the Abby Ellie character, but just everything about being a vampire there's so much that isn't said but is understood and i kind of like that about that movie because it does feel very like you know kids kids understand things when they talk to each other but maybe it doesn't feel as if they're communicating as well when you're watching it through the eyes of an adult that's true so after that we have 
kind of we have uh, Virginia in the hospital, um, and this is pretty the same in both Let Me In and Let the Right One In, where Virginia's in the hospital, her boyfriend is there to take care of her, uh, a nurse comes and opens the blinds, which lets the light in on Virginia, and in both films, uh, she ignites in flames, and except that in the American version, she almost blows up and <laughs> catches the nurse on fire, killing her too. And yeah. I remember I texted you, I was like, damn, why they kind of kill the nurse too? Yeah. But yeah, the, the, and you know, at this point, otherwise confirming kind of what, um, what Oscar and what Oscar wanted, wanted to know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think here, is that scene where... I I think this is the scene where Oscar tells um, Ellie, you know, she knocks on the door, she wants to see him. Uh, I'm sorry, they want to see him. And Oscar says, well, what if I don't let you in? So they walk in the door anyway, and suddenly they start bleeding out of, like, all their, like, orifices, like, start bleeding from their eyes, their ears, their nose, their mouth. And when Ellie starts convulsing, Oscar freaks out and says, no, I let you in, I let you in, I'm sorry. Right, and this is something that's part of vampire lore, and I'll say that this movie does make a big point of it, and so does Let Me In. Man, if you want to know a movie that 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 has a scene of like a vampire coming through a kid's window that will fuck you up, it is the... Salem's Lot. Yes. Oh, okay. I was guessing. Fuck. Oh my god, Salem's Lot. I need to watch Salem's Lot. I swear, if you just watch a clip on YouTube of the scene of the vampire coming up to the kid's window, it will give you nightmares. I'm going to watch it tomorrow, during the day, (laughs) with all my lights on. Yes. Just to be on the safe side. I I recommend. I still have to drive home at some point. Yes, so... Yeah, absolutely don't watch it at night if you're frightened. Yeah, I'm a big piss baby. So, Especially someone like me who has a fear of, like, windows with no curtains and stuff like that. Or, like, if you're sleeping with curtains open with full view of what's outside. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always had a fear of that. And that yeah, dude, if you can't see them, they can't see you. So Yeah, and Salem's Lot, like, plays so much on that. But... Yeah, that's where I first heard the, uh, you know, the myth of vampires, like, needing to be let into someone's home to actually enter. But yes, this movie shows you the consequence of it. I think and then there's Fright even the scene that... earlier where Ellie or Abby, after they've, you know, they've sucked the blood from their caregiver, uh, will come to Oscar's house and come to lay with him, like... Like, Ellie comes in to lay with him with no clothes on. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those weird scenes that, like... You don't know what the male character is thinking. Because, obviously, it's like, hey, a naked girl is in my bed. Uh, but well, at then, the same time, it's like... Well, that's the part where he asks, hey, can we go steady? Yeah. And Ellie's like, I'm not a girl. Mm-hmm. And why everything is good the way it is. And Oscar's like, fine. And I think Owen does has the same sort of response. Um, I think Fright Night fixes that when Colin Farrell just blew up Anton Yelchin's 
That was my favorite joke for that. Because I think there's a scene where, like, Anton Yelchin's like, you can't come in unless I give you permission. And he goes, you don't have to give me permission if I blow up the house. And that's, like, when he pulls out and, like, sets fire to everything. I was like, Fright Night is fun. We should do Fright Night at some point. It's one of my guilty pleasure movies. I want to do both of the Fright Nights at one point. Hey, they're both good. Um, But, no, it does... It's 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 one of the really good scenes between between both those characters. Again, mm-hmm. you're understanding the vampire lore, and it's like you understand that it's. It feels like hey, this is Ellie being very vulnerable with Oscar, and to to basically like show him what happens, and then even you know the the question is what hap- what would have happened if I didn't let you in, and it's just like well, very likely they would have died. Yep. You know, so and, you know this is the part where she showers, changes. This is where in Let the Right One In, they they explicitly show the mutilated genitalia. Did I miss this, or is it, this a deleted? It's very scene? quick. Okay. It, it, I remember because I remember I was reading through. And I don't know if it was a deleted scene, but I, rem- I know I think even in in the wiki page that says that they you know that it happens in the movie. Um, as opposed to Let Me In, like, Oscar peaks and Owen peaks and both. In Let Me In, they just focus on Owen peaking. And right. Let the Right One In, they focus on what Oscar sees. The other thing is very impressive. It's very impressive the way this movie handles. Kind of like, it's very tricky to, to show kids dealing with kind of this nudity-like kind of deal. And what I appreciate about both of these movies is that it does it in a way where it's not ogling anything inappropriate, yeah. but it's also presenting stuff in such a matter-of-fact and kind of innocent way mm-hmm. to where a kid would see it. And it's it's just one of those things that's kind of impressive because it's very tricky to strike that kind of balance. Because in both movies, they both react where like, oh my god, I've, it wasn't like, oh my god, look at it. It's, oh my god, I violated my friend's trust. Yeah. Or, you know. oh my god, like, what am I supposed to do? I'm looking at a naked girl. Yeah, also that. Like, there's there's a thing where it's like, when you're a kid or when you're going through puberty, there is not only, like, an excitement for learning something, but also just a fear of, like, when you're actually looking at yourself potentially experiencing a sexual encounter. <laughs> Some of us still react like 13-year-old boys <laughs> with our face of that possibility. <laughs> no, but, um, so after that, um, you know, both scenes play out the same. Oscar and Owen's mom come in. Oscar and Owen run and they hide um, Ellie and Abby. In both movies, Ellie and Abby kind of escape through Oscar's window and go back to their apartment where they kind of share a laugh and a smile with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but here... I believe, yeah, I believe it's like at this part. The difference here being that the landlord is the one that goes to investigate Ellie's apartment, while um, while it's Elias Cateus's character, the the detective that goes and investigates Abby's apartment. And essentially, in both movies, they leave a letter behind for um, for Oscar. Like, I'm taking a nap. I'm going to be in the bathroom, don't come in here, and don't open the windows, right? Mm-hmm. And in both films, uh, the adult, the menacing adult comes in and starts, like, sneaking their way in. Um, Oscar ends up getting 
you know, he, he Oscar sees that Locke is tra- starting to pull down the, the what's it called, um, the newspaper blocking the window. Uh, and as he screams for, or he actually pulls out his knife and uh, he tries to stab Locke, but he can't. Like, he has like a second thought and he ends up kind of like screaming to tell him to stop. And this wakes, ends up waking up Ellie. And as, you know, Locke tries to like focus on, on, uh, Oscar, Ellie ends up jumping, attacking, and essentially eating or, or drinking, um, Locke's blood. Right. Um, and then let me in. It's the police officer played by Elias Kateas who actually gets killed in the in the bathroom during mm-hmm. that scene. So at this point, Oscar kind of has that conversation with her where he's kind. At first, he's like mad about Ellie's need to kill to survive, and this is kind of where you set where like it's you where Ellie throws it right back in his face. Yep. Where Ellie straight up tells him, you know, you need to be a little me, ever be me every once in a while because you're just as curious about it, mm-hmm. um, and kind of plays on the fact that he's afraid of his bullies, and he doesn't, and he doesn't know how to defend himself, and he's afraid, right? Um, and then so, I think um, Ellie and Ellie and Abby both end up leading their their new caretakers. A letter kind of saying that they're going to um they're going to be leaving mm-hmm. um and that they're you know something to the effect of like they're going to be leaving they're not going to see them so in both movies they're kind of like oh they're gone mm-hmm. um so oscar ends up going to kind of the pool during like family or not family but kind of like after school swimming uh, where he's getting lessons from the gym teacher, mm-hmm. and then this is where the bullies who have been gone for a couple couple scenes now they come in and they kick everyone out. They end up setting a fire, which uh, gets the teacher to go running out and leaving Oscar by himself. Um, the bullies come in, they kick everyone out except for Oscar, and this is kind of where we see the well. There's there was a scene earlier where we see that the bully gets bullied by his older brother mm-hmm. or you're left to assume it's his older brother that kind of like he demands his keys and let me in it's clearly stated that it's an older brother okay um, and let the right one in i don't know that it says explicitly that it's an older brother but yeah. it's definitely an older kid at that school i think it is because the same thing happens where he asks for connie's keys okay so i think it is an older brother but yeah, pretty much he tells Oscar that he has to hold his breath underwater for three minutes. And if he doesn't, that he's going to take a switchblade and cut his eye out. And Oscar, completely terrified, says that's impossible. To which Jimmy responds, that's not my problem. At this point, you kind of see everyone, all the bullies, like being like, oh no, like maybe this is going too far. Jimmy tells him to shut the fuck up, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he grabs Oscar by his beautiful blonde locks and shoves his head underwater. And in one of the coolest non like violent, violent scenes you'll see, because you never see violence against these bullies, like, you know, happen in real time. But you you see one of the bullies gets dragged across the water and thrown in the background. Mm-hmm. 
you hear muffled screaming because, of course, it's through Oscar's point of view. And then suddenly you see someone's severed head fall into the pool yeah. with blood. And you see Tom, or no, what's his name, Jimmy's hand as he's holding Oscar's head just kind of float off of his head. I'm like, oh my god. Yes. <laughs> and then it's revealed that Ellie saved Oscar by dismembering and murdering like three of the the three of the bullies mm-hmm. while leaving the other one completely in shock and afraid, right? And she, yeah, she leaves the other, or they, I'm sorry, they leave the other one kind of um, just crying on the bench. And uh, pretty much the what kind of, what closes out this scene in this movie is Oscar's traveling on a train by himself with mm-hmm. a big box, and then you hear kind of a Morse code scratching, um, and then you see Oscar repeat the message back, which turns out is um, Ellie in the in the box, mm-hmm. tapping out the word kiss, and him returning small kiss. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of Let the Right One In. Right. Now I didn't Both the movies end on this at the same time at the same scene. Oh okay, cool. Because I didn't finish Let Me In, oh, unfortunately. Okay. So pretty much I got to the part where Elias Katayas dies and then I think that's like twenty minutes left. The ending of Let Me In is in the movie. The ending of Let Me In is practically the same. Abby kills all the kids and doesn't leave any survivors, I think, is the main difference. Okay. Um Owen disappears with her, and yes, yeah, she's sitting in a trunk, in while Owen is on a train, and of course and the same thing happens. It's the same deal with the Morse code, and of course it leaves you to believe that essentially this is the life for Owen and for Oscar now, is that they are going to well at first, like you said, like at first it gives you the belief that it's hopeful and that there's kind of like a romantic part to it that they're. You know, pretty soon it's gonna be the cycle's gonna repeat itself. Oscar and Owen will get old, they will become caretakers, and it's gonna happen all over again. Yes. So yes. it is a hopeful idea. But I think I think You know what I love based about that, on the different focuses of each film, I feel like let me in, Owen is a lot more he feels a lot more naive and like someone who feels like, Okay, this is the first day of the rest of my life. <laughs> And like it feels like yes, you know world. how it's gonna end, but he doesn't know how yeah. it's gonna end. Or maybe it's just because everything is so implied that that's just how I read it, and someone else will read it as something completely different. I feel like the Oscar character and Let the Right One In is way more aware of the situation that he's getting himself. He into knows what he's getting because into. everything is so explicitly said in dialogue in that movie. And I feel I think you're right. I think there is kind of a main difference in that sense where it's like. It could be that Owen is a little bit more naive than what Oscar is portrayed to be, but don't get me wrong. I also don't. I'm saying that I don't hate the ending. I actually love the ending. Mm-hmm. It's such a nihilistic ending. Like it's so dark that I mean, already this this movie's already kind of dark subject matter. A vampire child. Yes, it is. Like let's be real. Like so, it's like a child that perpetuates violence, and. Not only that, they're also bringing more children into that world. So it's like already kind of like terrifying. It's already dark. It already mm-hmm. has a lot of nihilism in it, which this is a good dark nihilistic ending. So I guess kind of going into it, okay, I kind of already started. But Angel, did you like let the right one in and let me in? Yes. 
I like both of those movies. And kind of as I expected when I finally saw Let the Right One In, I think it's a little better. Mm -hmm. I think both of these movies are really good, and I think they're almost comparable. And there's things that I talked about that I like better and Let Me In. You know, there was specifically the Owen opening scene, the violence when he finally fights back against the bully, and how it focused less on characters that I didn't think were that important in Let the Right One In. That said, Let the Right One In is a better horror movie. Mm -hmm. And it, it was so... It felt so like something I had seen, but at the same time something that felt foreign and kind of just scary and how like it doesn't play by American movies rules that it just it's there's something inherently more terrifying about it to me. So uh yes, I thought both of those movies were good. I do think Let the Right One In is slightly better than Let Me In, even though I like both movies and I do look forward to eventually watching them again. Um Excellent. Sorry, I can't I don't know Swedish words, so I can't really be offensive to the Swedes. But yeah, I mean, needless to say, it's both movies are great. Both movies have their merit. Like you said, I feel like Let the Right One In is a stronger movie. Mm -hmm. Um not just because it was the first one, right? But also there's just some things that they did better. I'm a sucker for practical effects, so anytime a movie uses practical effects over CGI, I'm gonna love it. So the fact that they actually had Ellie climb up do the spider crawl up the window, um, how they, you know, actually had Ellie attack some of the some of the characters. Like, I just, I love that a lot more. Um, I mean, granted, no matter what, both stories are great. You know, both of them are great. Both of them are dark. Both of them have nihilistic endings. Um, I feel like the, like you said, I feel like Let Me In goes into, kind of explores more that relationship between the caretaker and, uh, Abby more than Ellie and, uh, Hakan in, um... And, mm -hmm. le and let the right one in. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, ultimately, they're, I mean, they're both strong movies. Like, I'm also not going to sit here and be like, let me in sucked because it came sucking. You know, like, remakes don't always suck. Sometimes remakes are just as good as the originals, mm -hmm. <laughs> depending on, you know, it's all text. It all, it's all about the care that people take in in translating a story. And it is wild. It's wild to see a movie that's almost, that's almost a shot for shot remake, you know? So that that was really interesting to see. So we like thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. Um, we really appreciated you guys hanging in there uh, while our <laughs> next episode was recorded and finally put out. I know again we haven't been posting on regular days every week, but I think we're getting closer to kind of like this one episode per week format and returning to it at last. Uh, also, it was fun to talk about something that wasn't a comic book movie. Or just kind of talk about something that neither of us had seen before mm -hmm. uh, in, you know, it's been a while since we've done this kind of movie. So we appreciate you guys for joining us on this episode. Uh, please continue to interact with us on social media. Uh, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Leave us reviews on Spotify if you can. Uh, do what you can to spread the word about the podcast so that we can continue to, you know, push the visibility of the show and continue to grow our audience. And, uh, yeah, we just uh, appreciate you guys hanging out, hanging in with us as we try to work through some of these scheduling issues. And uh, we hope to talk to you guys next time.
Yep, and be ready for Friday. We're going to put out... Wait, yeah, be ready for Friday. We're going to put out Wild Wild West. <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> motherfuckers. Absolutely not. No, yeah, dude, expect it. On the first, it's going to be Wild Wild West. You hear it now? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next time. Later, y'all.